Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, sporting a black shirt, a black microphone, black headphones, and what appears to be a black lamp behind him, my good buddy, executive producer, Cameron McCoy. Friend, how you doing? Just feeling goth, dude. <laughs> nice. Uh, really, I was hoping for the black, black lipstick to <laughs> That's out. true. Guy liner. I just, go the whole way. Right. Did you just flash a black pen? Uh, I did. <laughs> wow. Wow, Cameron. Going hard into the paint, as the kids say. Um, hey, dude, we've got a Magic the Gathering show to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, some quasi-announcements that were follow-ups to the standard thing we'll, we'll just discuss. Really, it's a lot about you playing. I took this week off um, mm-hmm. from playing just as a... Uh, professionally and also in terms of um, there was a video game that was released this week that I wanted to spend some time with. So those two things kind of was, was I decided it was a good week to unplug. Mm-hmm. So I've played more games of Pokemon than Magic, which is not a sentence I'd ever thought I'd say this week. But I'm interested in how things are going for you. Have you played um, mostly Explorer? Almost all Explorer. I played a little bit of Standard. Um, standard, Standard. It's I feel like the same thing, so I don't feel like there's a lot new to say. Um, but Explorer, and maybe there is not a lot new to say there, but I have been playing new decks, and everything is just feeling um, very fresh, and I've been I've been really digging it. So um, I've been playing uh, the, I guess, um, Energy deck is really what it is, mm-hmm. Aetherworks Marvel deck, and... I've played, I, it's upwards of like 10 different versions of this deck now, trying to figure out what that 60 plus possibly what that additional 15 should look like, um, just depending on all the various other cards that are going into that. So um, I guess I can go into a deep dive as far as like Teamer, red, green, blue is the correct, I think, color combination that should you should be doing. Um, and then there's like these key cards that you just can't play without, like Harness Lightning, Tune with Aether. Um, some might argue that you need, um, oh, the instant draw spell, uh, Glimmer Genius. Um, yep. but I've seen a lot of decks also kind of forego that and go in different directions. Um, but with Ulamog, with Emmercool, and then with Ugin and, uh, Golos, there's just a lot of power there that you can you can get to. Genesis uh, Ultimatum as well, like you can use that in tandem. <laughs> so I mean, like we're talking like absurdly powerful, huge things that you can do on turn four. Um, mm. And sometimes you just like, all right, we're casting an Emmercool on turn four. Here we go. You know, or we're casting an uh, Ulamog, and so long, my opponent's three lands after, or my two two lands out of the three, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's incredibly good, but there's so often where this deck is just garbage. Um, it, like, I feel like it really struggles against, like, um, aggro matchups because you're playing things like Whirler Virtuoso, Rogue Refiner. So you have some things that you can use like as early defense. Um, but like when you're playing against like the mono green Cavalier of Thorns deck, it just doesn't care, right? It's just gonna trample over everything and and go, I think, um, bigger, faster in some ways, or just be a little bit more resilient. 
Um, but this is the type of combo deck that uh, I've been really needing, um, and I've just really been um, enjoying trying to figure out, like I said, what, what this 60 should look like. Um, you could put in the Karn and then all of a sudden have sideboard access to, like, another Aetherworks Marvel if you need or other artifacts, you know, that sort of thing. So there's just, there, I feel like there's so many options out there and I just can't figure out what it is. And maybe Aetherworks Marvel just sucks and should not actually be played in Explorer, but I'm having a good time trying to figure it out. Yeah, there was a window of time where that was a uh, non-rotating format, you know, card that could be playable. Like when Pioneer first got announced, mm-hmm. I think everyone was like, hey, you know, energy. Um, but it turns out that that was a much more mid-rangey deck um, than a true, like, you know, just all-out combo deck, right? Mm-hmm. So, because, like, there were times where you would just win off of Rogue Refiners and Whirler Virtuosos, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, they would devote so much of their time to stopping your Aetherworks Marvel stuff. Um, I remember that was also, like, the Winding Constrictor standard. And, you know, so, like, there was, like, this deck that could produce these really high power toughness things kind of very quickly. And you were kind of in this weird race between, can I cheat an Ulamog or can you make a guy that's got 17 counters on him or mm-hmm. whatever, right? Um, yeah, I... I like the idea that this is playable, but I kind of like that it's not super good. Yep. I like it in that middle ground. You know, and, and to your point, I'm really ready ready for Lotus Field combo to end up on Arena just so I can have like a true... I mean, look, I play Storm and Modern sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, I mm-hmm. like I like that kind of thing. And the closest I can get to an Explorer is the Grinning Ignis deck. <laughs> yeah. Which is also Which, all sorts of busted sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it does its thing, and then other times it's embarrassing. <laughs> yep. But it's also the deck that's like, probably more than any deck in the last five years, if your opponent didn't know what was going on, like, the likelihood that you would win just based upon the fact that they didn't know what they were supposed to kill exactly was, yeah. like, just awesome, right? Because, like, they would always, like, try and kill your Risen Reef or something, and you're like, Shading. and, yeah. <laughs> Here we go. So I like that, though. I I <coughs> have not. So like, I think Aftermath came out three days ago, something like that. So the, the $50, 50, $50, $50 card, full disclosure, I sound like Bill Gates. I have no idea what <laughs> Aftermath actually costs. Right? It's about $100. Um, but anyway, I haven't played any standards since that got added, but I've been kind of looking at the results and seeing nothing squat uh of interest <laughs> yeah so maybe that some of that stuff will land and explore but aftermath is going to be dare i say the most forgettable standard set mm-hmm. of all time and i feel bad because there are some things that are kind of interesting about the idea of a 50 50 i keep saying 50 dollar 50 card additive set um but there's like what are what are we even talking about? Like it, it feels like this identityless thing, mm-hmm. you know. And um, insert your negative comment about uh, alchemy here, because it does feel like it was like, hey, what if we get so far down the road that pay- digital players are so used to alchemy? What what if we made something like that in paper? And it's like all these things feel so disconnected, and you know, like. That two-year lead time is really killing him here because yep. nobody wanted that. Everyone would rather have a good draft set right now 
or a drafts good draft set a month from now would probably be better. Um, and then we're all stuck playing Lord of the Rings Commander set a bunch over the summer, which, look, Cameron, we're just being honest with each other, and we haven't really dug too deep into it, because, yeah. boy, do we have time to. Um, the Lord of the Rings set does not strike my fancy at all. I really hope I'm wrong, but I feel less than nothing. And I love the Lord of the Rings. Love it. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you I what should you do. Be, yeah, you, you know what you do? You, 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 you grab that DVD box set, the extended edition, and just watch all 16 hours, and you'll get so much more enjoyment out of that than this, maybe. <laughs> you know, there are people out there that prefer the theatrical release. That seems impossible, yeah. right? Are those people just being contrarian? There's no way. I don't know. I don't know. I will contend. Sorry, now we're on Lord of the Rings talk. (laughs) The biggest misstep of the actual good trilogy, the original trilogy, is that they devoted the the, um, prologue in the third movie to Gollum instead of Sauron. Mm -hmm. Because I was really thinking that was... So, like, of course, this is me being disappointed because I predicted this would happen way back and it didn't happen. But I feel like when you rewatch it, it's very disconnected from, like, what Sauron is, mm-hmm. you know, where, you know, with Gollum, at least they, you know, they have conversations with him. You kind of have an understanding that he's this broken creature or whatever. But with Sauron, you're like, yeah, what was up with that dude anyway? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. it was bad, I guess. <laughs> yeah, they cut off his finger at the first one. So he must have been terrible. Um, but that's all you get, right? All right. So here's what I want to discuss with you in terms of the news, Cameron. Mm-hmm. They did a follow-up competitive play video today. And it is um, kind of a, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, An addendum to, or uh, an amending to what's already been announced, which is things are not rotating in the fall. They're going to keep cards in. Eldraine Part 2, which I think strikes fear in the hearts of all of us, Mm -hmm. right? Mm Mm-hmm. Seeing Eldraine is like, you know, running into an ex-girlfriend like 15 years down the line. You're very worried they're going to be more successful than you. So, you know, that's what seeing Eldraine is like again. It's like I had a lot of not great uh, memories tied up in Eldraine. And like while the set released pre-COVID, really that was the set that we were stuck with. That and Ikoria through COVID, right? Yeah. So it was a a seriously overpowered Mm -hmm. set. We were like... Literally locked up in our houses playing it nonstop because there was nothing else to do. And there's a lot, there's a lot of baggage. I'm really hoping they like, but whenever they have the key art and they're like, yo, here's Oko, I'm like, (laughs) really? Do we want to? Yeah. Can we go back to invasion block or something? (laughs) Like, anything. Anything. Homelands is sounding pretty good right now, guys. But anyway, um, so they followed it up with this announcement, uh, or I should say series of discussions that like had announcements embedded in. So May 29th, which is in a couple weeks, they are doing <coughs> a ban announcement for standard. Okay. Um, a lot of people are pointing to, uh, you know, Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Oh, really? I, I know. <laughs> I know. I get the sensation that 
the way they were talking about it, and I might be mistaken, I'm guessing like four cards. I'm thinking this is more than just Fable. Um, because I, and maybe you have a different read on the format, but it really feels like if you just get rid of Fable and keep everything else, like, why would you be playing anything other than Esper Legends? Mm-hmm. Like, I really, I, I, I would struggle with that, but I think yeah. it's going to be a lot. Anyway. I, I, I will say that, I mean, I know it's not standard, but um, can they please get rid of Rampaging Ferocidon? Screw that card, okay? <laughs> yeah. Don't even look at me, Rampaging Ferocidon. Go back into the corner. Um, so here's, here's the other thing that they've said. Every fall, right around this rotation, they are going to do their massive BNR announcement for all formats, okay? And it is much more likely that this will affect every, every like, uh, non-rotating format more greatly, right? Because that's where they're going to process that data and really have a nice key point for that. However, every standard, they're going to have a mini-ban window that is three weeks after a set is uh, released, okay? Okay. Um, and so that's just going to be for things that are, you know, the Okos of the world, where it's like, holy cow, this new card is a massive problem. Let's just turn off that spigot. They're also kind of mentioned in the video that, hey, Eldraine was not designed with thinking that Neon Dynasty would be in the format, right? So they made this decision after they'd kind of designed this. So they might have to do this a little bit just to try and get things back on pace to where they wanted things to be designed. Um, so there's that. There is also, there was this talk of changing the way in which they design sets because now if there's a three-year rotation, they have a better awareness of what cards are seeing play, right? Sure. Um, and then they use something along the, this is where it got a little scary for me is they said something along the lines of, unfortunately, standard is nothing but a bunch of good cards put together. We are going to try and build decks with a theme that people can get more attached to because that's what they like in Pioneer and Legacy. I heard that and like my ears perked up a little bit. I was very concerned with the language there, Cameron, because times that they've tried to do this, can be problematic, mm-hmm. right? And I know that they designed some stuff with things in mind, but whenever you're talking about in terms of uh, we want to build a deck archetype, like companions spring to mind as a problematic yeah. piece of that, right? Um, times that they've designed specifically for modern or legacy with the archetypes in mind, also things get a little bit scary. And call me crazy, Cameron, mid-range... Soup standard, yeah. Like I, I to compared to modern or legacy, yeah. There's a lot of mid range and standard. It's always been that way. Mm-hmm. All right, so I've hit you with everything. Give me your thoughts, man. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they're creating a a deck essentially for like you know like easier to design. Um, this seems like an easy way for them to make money as far as just selling pre-made decks where it's like we actually have an idea now and like all of a sudden it's gonna be maybe easier to build the paper equivalent to something that you've had now in arena so maybe that's good maybe that's bad it seems like it's a easy money-making generating thing for them so cool um 
the, that's what I love about you, dude, is you have like the cynicism of a French revolutionary. <laughs> You're like, it's all about the money, Curtis. <laughs> I love it. Keep going. Wizards, yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see. I mean, the mini band thing, um, I, I welcome that. You know, I think that that's great. Um, the giant BNR thing that they're going to do to help freshen up the, all the formats. Um, I guess. I mean, I, I, there there are times where when they do end up printing, you know, Modern Masters Turbo Edition Part Three, where we're gonna get the next Ragavan that's even bigger, worse, and you know, like more impactful for something like Legacy. That's where I'm like, you know, I I, I don't know what I'm trying to say, because they, they will put the brakes, I would hope, on certain cards like that. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about, like, that big banning sort of thing at one time. It, it almost feels like maybe they would just ban things for the sake of banning things in some of these formats. It would definitely juice the markets, right? Yeah. Like, can you yeah. imagine the week before these annual announcements, what would happen in these non-rotating formats? Like, people... You know, going after whatever Splinter Twins or something yeah. that they think is going to come back, birthing pods, etc. Um, hold on, I got to fill up my cart with birthing pods, Cameron. Do it. Um, yeah. Uh, bye, 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 bye. Um, that was my Jim Cramer impersonation. I don't know if you caught. And like again, all this stuff is discussed to revitalize standard, and like you and I even in our like passing conversation, we're not even talking about this as like, and again, everybody's got their different uh, motivations, but until you have a path and big events for standard, you can do whatever you want. You have to give people a financial and like community reason to invest in the format. Yeah. And, and you've basically spent multiple years telling them standard doesn't matter. And then surprise standard doesn't matter to people. And then I, this really does feel like, an overcorrection or they, they turn the wheel too far one way and they're like, Oh my gosh, no one's buying standard boxes. Right. And, uh, it also feels very half baked when you watch the video, there's a lot of, these are things that we're discussing, but we're not ready to announce anything, but we will announce. And it's like, <laughs> I feel like maybe you guys should just wait. Like no one was like, man, if they don't announce something, today rather than three weeks from now i am out the door yeah you know like it feels like a more cohesive announcement would have had more punch that's me i agree um all right cameron we've got um i see also there was a big movie that came out this week so let's take a break come back talk about what else we've been up to cameron welcome back so um first of all just let's just get this out of the way Maybe your car shopping question mark? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, a coworker of mine sold uh, his car. He traded in his Honda and got a pretty decent price back for what it was and um, bought a truck. Of course truck. he did. Because you're in Iowa, you buy a truck. Uh, but for me, I uh, over the weekend did get to test drive um, an Audi tw- a- A3 um to 2021 uh so it's you know a little bit less but uh you know it's kind of like that mid-level luxury type car that uh i really really like i really dig them 
Uh, well, Cameron, obviously I'm a full-throated supporter of this. <laughs> okay. And he- here's what I would say. Like, my... Of the German manufacturers, Audi is not my favorite. I used to not really like them at all until I sat in one. Mm-hmm. And like you, then I was like, oh, now I get it. Yeah. You know? Um, and so... I really need you to get this so I can drive it sometime. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. In, in the event that we see each other, it will right? happen. <laughs> um, does it have Does it have flappy paddles? Can you it go did, manual in it? Uh, it has a yeah a flappy paddle thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, sometimes I like to throw my car into that mm. when it's just me because it's really an unpleasant like riding experience when you're okay riding in it. Um, because there's no clutch, right? So you're just, I know we're, we're full on car guy, car, car, car. <laughs> um, but like, I love just doing manual shifts on the paddles whenever it's just me in the car and I just want a nice little drive. So yeah. Um, you crank on the techno a... music. You don't blink. Sunglasses go on. I, I, I can envision it. I actually make sure that there's no radio on cause I want to hear the shift. So I hear the engine. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, that's me. And, and Hey, just, just a lowly. Lowly Acura, but that—that's me, right? I, I really like it. Um, did you know that I don't have my Toyota anymore? Have we even had yeah, a conversation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've talked about this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I lose track of these things. Anyway, Cameron uh, it says here that you watched Air, which is the the Ben Affleck Matt Damon reunited movie. Also, mm-hmm. I guess Michael Jordan story. Yeah, I guess Michael Jordan story. Um, tell me about this, man. Is this yeah. one I need to check out? This is one I would tell you to skip. I'm going to tell a lot of people to skip it. Ooh. It's uh, just go watch Goodwill Hunting again. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, like it. It was. It, it's such an interesting movie because it, I mean, it's just talking about it's it's Nike in the early '80s, right when Michael Jordan was drafted into the NBA. Um, and it's essentially the story of how they have like this guy on staff, Matt Damon, who is like a scout looks for high school talent and all that and courts them on behalf of Nike. Um, so that when they eventually get to the pros, they can wear Nike shoes. Um, and you know, it's weird to think about Nike in the early eighties to not be associated as a basketball shoe because I mean, they are so synonymous. So, you know, you think of things like Converse, uh, as being like the basketball shoe, which, it's just completely flip-flopped in my mind now, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, like, there's certain aspects that are really, really interesting. But the thing, like, my biggest gripe about this is that Matt Damon's character and Michael Jordan's mom um, both are a little too on the nose for, like, how great he is going to be. And I know, like, he's supposed to be, like, this guy that knows talent. He's like, I, I see something in, in this Michael Jordan but he talks about him so spot on with like all the accomplishments that he's going to do. It just feels like, yeah, we get it. But in 1984, I don't, it it just, it took me out of it because it almost felt like this guy is just a little too omniscient with what's, what's going to happen or prescient with what's going to happen. So like, there was like a couple things that just didn't quite hit for me. Um, but overall, I mean, like it it is just really fascinating just to put yourself back into the shoes of a person in the early eighties and to think that Nike is just a, a running shoe company essentially. Mm -hmm. And now there's like, there's, you know, like one of the worst running shoes. Nobody wears Nikes anymore as far as running shoes. Right. So it's just really interesting how that changed and how, 
they really did kind of create and set up like this um, way for like, I mean, Michael Jordan got a, a part of all sales on every single Air Jordan sold, right? So, I mean, like that was like unprecedented, unheard of at the time. So there's a lot of like interesting historical things, but also I think this would just be a better documentary rather than a, a movie. Yeah, it's probably like the same thing with George Lucas getting a cut of the Star Wars toys, right? Like, yeah, these are all very interesting stories. I don't know if they ever made a movie on console wars, but they were talking about it forever, right? And I, it's like, it's probably would just make a better documentary. Yeah, right. And um, I, I don't know, man. Like, there's, there's. So I want to just say this. Like, I really do have a ton of respect for Michael Jordan. I don't like. I'm not a Jordan hater or something. Um, but for whatever reason, the pedestal he gets put on sometimes is a little bit. You know, he he accomplished a ton and obviously a great basketball player, but. There's other these other athletes that I think exist in the same strata, strata. They get much much less credit, and and again, I would say like I don't really care for Tom Brady, but you can make an argument that he accomplished a much more difficult thing in his career, um, in a much bigger team sport that is actually included with violence, mm -hmm. uh, and somehow that's you know he's kind of cast aside, right? Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's just because his personality is so much less uh, charming than Jordan's. Um, and then maybe that's part of it. Right. But, you know, we could go on and on like, you know, Lewis Hamilton, like all these people that have mm -hmm. won like a silly amount of championships in their field yeah. and don't get near the recognition that Jordan does because Jordan's been marketed through a shoe. And that's a weird thing to think about. Super right? interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about something that maybe isn't overrated. Have you played Zelda Tears uh, of the Kingdom? I have not had a chance to even download this yet. So, um, yeah, like a lot of video games, I feel like you can just wait, but I'm sure it's amazing. So here's the thing, Cameron. I'm like seven hours in, eight hours in. It, it like you need to get it just to be like, how did they do this on a Switch? Like, what exactly <laughs> devil magic did they like? Because it is. Essentially, and people are knocking it for being essentially the Hyrule map, but I played this game like six years ago, so I don't remember the map for anything, mm -hmm. right? But if you are one of these people that like commits open world maps to memory, then you'll be like, oh yeah, I know where this village is and that. Mm -hmm. But then there's an entire copy of it, like there's a whole underground world, and then there's a whole set of sky islands above everything. And it is shockingly huge, Right. Now, again, people want to knock it for not running at 60 frames a second, which I think, again, is patently absurd. <laughs> like, it runs at a solid 30. Like, yeah. when people say, well, how does it run? Like, what do you think, man? Yeah. What do you, what do you think? On you hardware think it, that's very old. <laughs> very, yeah. Yeah. So on a technical level, like, it, it really needs to be seen. But what they've done is they've included a bunch of portal slash little big planet stuff in this game. And it's really freshened up the joint. I think, like, while it feels like Breath of the Wild and it has a lot of that complexity, the exploration and the puzzle solving is just so much weirder and more creative than mm -hmm. Breath of the Wild, which seems nuts, right? Like, because Breath of the Wild, you could do bananas things. Mm -hmm. Well, this is just like, 
on a, on another planet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I am the king of making a four log long uh, log long bridge, and I just move that sucker everywhere. It's gotten <laughs> me through all kinds of problems. But like, I it still has weaknesses in terms of the combat. Um, but for whatever reason, and and maybe you could help me understand this, they with this series have conquered exploration in a way that other open world games don't like i like being in this place exploring more than because i would say elden ring in a lot of ways is a more impressive open world Mm -hmm. but it's like not enjoyable to explore like i feel like i need to get to a place all the time Mm -hmm. and i think maybe with elden ring it's like informed by my relationship with dark souls and Dark Souls being such a task-oriented thing for me that I've like transposed that onto Elden Ring, and I can't let myself let go and just wander around in Elden Ring. Like I can't do that. Mm-hmm. But with Breath of the Wild, I really can. Um, but th- dude, if you just spend like thirty seconds on Twitter just looking at th- some of the things people have done in this game, it's it's really something. Hmm. That's awesome. So. So, I mean, like, uh, does it have the same sort of thing where weapons wear down and you have to rebuild them? Yes, but it's not as fast, and you can combine weapons with other things in environments. So you can, like, attach a rock to your shield so you get better durability. Okay. The durability, the actual melee combat is not, is still the biggest weak point in my estimation. However, they've done this thing where because you can combine stuff, um, the bow combat is, like, a lot better. So I end up you do you end up being more of an archer in this game. So like whenever you pull a bow back, it says like, "Hey, what item do you want to attach?" So if you attach like one of the bat eyes to your arrow, it becomes a heat-seeking arrow. Okay. Right? Or if you attach like a certain f- fruit to the tip of your arrow, then and like it's super easy to do and super fast. So you end up using your bow like a lot more. Um and then just the puzzle stuff is just really great. But like yeah. All these things that are just Nintendo, this particular development team really showing off. Like there are moments where it's like you're on a sky island with a waterfall that goes down like 600 feet and then the sun rises and the grass is blowing and all this and you're just like, what? How did they do this with this hardware, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so there, there are those great moments. There seems to be a little bit more of a story focus um, in this game. Um, but I just think they just do a great job of kind of avoiding a lot of the pitfalls that other open world games have. And you just, it's, you get to be creative and I don't feel like you get to say that in any other. And again, Elden Ring is a fantastic game, but like you're not being creative. There's not multiple things happening. Mm-hmm. You are running into dudes and you are hitting them with your sword. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm a fan of that. I like that doing that. But whenever you're asking me to do that for a hundred hours, this is a different proposition than this. Yeah. Right. Um, so in closing, and this is controversial, um, it's a good game. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> right now, it is, I think, noticeably a better experience than Breath of the Wild, which That's I thought would something. be... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it's, it's, it's still like a lot of that foundation, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like, for example, the horse system seems to be the exact same horse system from Breath of the Wild. So some people are going to have that and go, ugh. You know, I wanted something fresh. To me, that doesn't matter, mm-hmm. right? Because there have been, like, well, both Nintendo 64 Zeldas are 
very similar in terms of functionality, right? So yeah, yeah. these things happen. Um, anyway, Cameron, I know you're going to probably uh, wait till the Switch Two so you can play it at 120 frames a second. Absolutely, that's so what's necessary. You're that guy now. You're that guy. There's no turning back. You're like 30 <laughs> frames, yeah. and then you just spit in your spittoon. <laughs> Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> so Cameron, if someone would like to talk to you about the Zelda timeline and where Tears of the Kingdom fits, where could they find you? Oh, I'd be very interested. That's all on Twitter, at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I'm at Curtis now. Our official show feed is at SpikeFeedMTG. We'll check you guys next week. <laughs>